Hello, everybody. Oh, that dog just will not shut up when he needs to shut up. And it's rough to try and take care of a pet in the middle of a disaster. It is. Welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And we're on the road today. We're somewhere in central Iowa. I know it's exciting to you to know exactly where we are, but we are in central Iowa. And uh, we're traveling north. We're going on our way to South Dakota this weekend. So... We've been thinking about doing some podcasting along the way, and one of the things we've been considering is Fido and Kitty Cat and all the other household pets you may happen to have. Now, we don't currently have a dog. We're dog people. We're not opposed to cats. We don't dislike cats. We've just never had a cat. She's a little sneezy around them. And uh, we've, we've had a not-our cat. We've had a not-our cat for several years. Who was a cat I liked very much. Yes, perfect. The perfect solution. Yeah. Well, our neighbor had a cat. Never knew the cat's name until after she passed. And the cat went to live with her grandchildren. And we found out that the cat's name, surprisingly, was Turbo. Because the cat was named by a four-year-old. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a black cat and probably the least well-groomed cat I have ever seen in my life. She was a slob. She was a slob. She, she really liked was. to sleep in the dust underneath our porch. And she really, even though it was a neighbor's cat, and even though she was an inside cat, they let her out, you know, to do her business or run She'd around. She'd been a farm cat for years before her owner moved into town and took up the house next to us. But she was convinced she was our cat. She just knew she was, because she spent all her time at our house, and we sit there on her porch, she'd come and pop up on your lap and sit there. You open the door, and you'd see this black blur, and that would be Turbo going in the house. And you'd get in, you'd sit down in your chair, she'd hop up on your lap and give you that goody, goofy, catty grin, saying, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. And you look at her and say, dude, you're not our cat. You need to go home. But she was cute, so you kind of let her sit on your lap for a while. <laughs> and, and then we never had a mouse for the whole time that that cat lived next door. Not and that she kept we the have, rabbits out of our garden. Yeah, well, not that we have a big mouse problem in town. Uh, we had some mouse a, a mouse problem last year that we got fixed, but you know, um, the rabbits out of the garden was great. She terrorized our the critters who tried to eat our garden. <sighs> Gotta love a farm cat. Because they will keep the pests away from house and home. Yeah, she was a she was a good cat. However, your house cat will not do that, no matter how hungry she gets. We used to live out in a rural spot, but not far from a city when I was a kid. And people from the city used to come out. Oh, that have a pet they didn't want to uh, keep anymore. And they would tell themselves these lies about, well, she's a wild animal. She would love to be free. She's a hunter. She will make her own way in the world. We'll take her out into the country and set her free. And then you'd have these poor, bedraggled, confused, starved, bony animals begging piteously around the houses that they, they found. 
because they don't know how to hunt. It's not something you just magically pick up. Food comes from the food dish for a domesticated pet. And that is one of the key things that we want to talk about today. Food for a domesticated pet comes from the food dish. It does not come from hunting. It is true that cats in particular and some dogs do have an instinct to hunt that has not been bred out of them. But that doesn't mean they're any good at it. They're actually had to have been taught that by their mother, usually, when they were puppies and kittens, and to be e- any good at it. Even if they're taught, that doesn't mean they're any good at it. A case in point, a certain dog I have met, but she knew intimately well, named George. <laughs> George was uh, Spice's dog growing up. Ah, uh, yes. Good dog, smart dog. Smart dog, very smart dog. dog. He's a mutt, ugly as sin, (laughs) but a very, very smart dog. A little bit myopic, a little bit short-sighted. In fact, he really couldn't see very well at all. His sniffer worked great, but he really couldn't see. He could smell if there's a rabbit in the area. He he, wanted to hunt. He wanted to hunt. He loved to hunt. But he couldn't hunt. We had a garden there, too, and we wanted to keep the rabbits out of the garden. So, George loved to hunt rabbits, but he couldn't hunt them worth a darn. So what you'd do is you'd be up on the porch hanging out with George. An evening would come, and the rabbits would start hopping up and trying to check out the garden. And you'd take George, and you'd aim him in the right direction. And you'd whisper in his ear, there's a rabbit, George. You want to go get a rabbit? There's a rabbit right out there, George. Of course, he'd be getting, he'd just yeah. be getting yeah. jacked up. Yeah. He's just, Hey rabbits. And then you let him go with a, a little little push and he runs in a straight line as fast as he can until something starts leaping and jumping ahead of him and then he can figure out where the rabbit is. <laughs> and then he can follow it for maybe 50 or 100 yards until he loses track of it. Enough to scare the rabbit off. <laughs> it's enough to discourage the rabbits and enough to make him happy with the situation. He come back all excited. I chased the rabbit off. I did my job. Yeah, you did a great job, George. But if it was just him up there on that porch, he wouldn't have any idea where that rabbit was. He'd just run in a straight line until something jumped and then go from there. And the key part of the story, as much as George George was smart and as much as he was a, a good dog, food for him came from the food dish. Yeah. If I'd have and turned from loose under in the, the wild. From under the table where I'm supposed yeah. to feed him. <laughs> that guy was not all that shy about it. Uh, he wasn't in the house all the time. Yes. Uh, so, your pet is not going to make it on its own without you feeding it. So you need to and prepare. And those few that can are going yes. to turn into feral dog packs. And they are going to do things like potentially eat small children and attack adults if they get hungry enough. See, and certainly attack and kill livestock. I'm going to tell you a secret. That... Most, well, virtually no people know. But sheep know. Not sheeple, not any of that kind. Sheep, actual bad sheep. You know, the ones with the wool on them? They know this. And people don't. Dogs are wolves. They may be more tame, 
but they're wolves. And they really are wolves. A wild dog pack is dangerous to small human beings. It's just like, you know, a coyote, not so much because they're just not that big. But you get some of these big dogs that have that have social interaction only with other dogs and their pack is what's important to them, not you. It's it's a problem. I'm a cyclist and I've I've had this problem. Uh, there was a route I used to cycle that had two Daily. or three actually big dangerous dogs and one stupid beagle. And the, and the beagle, beagle was football sized. <laughs> and if it was just me and the beagle, the beagle is not a problem because I know what to do with something football sized. That beagle was an instigator, though. It was yes. an instigator. You'd start to ride by the house and the beagle would run out and try and make trouble. And the beagle was willing to come up and try and bite you. And the other dogs, if the beagle wasn't around, they'd be like, woof, woof. All right, we did our job. Nap time again. But if the beagle actually got out there in the road and started biting at you, well, the big dogs had to have his back because they were pack. Big, and then you got by big breed. dogs, we were talking two Great Danes. Big dogs. Big, dangerous dogs, especially when you're on a bicycle because it doesn't and take much of a tug on your foot and you can't dodge that well. You you have to understand one other thing about this, too, is you say, oh, well, just because it's a Great Danes aren't necessarily dangerous. It's how you raise a dog, and everybody will agree that. It's how you raise a dog, and these dogs weren't raised to be nice. These dogs were raised to keep people off that property. Now, I wasn't on their property. I was no, on the but still, road, but the stupid beagle. Once the beagle started it, I ended up a time or two off my bicycle using a $2,000 bicycle as a club to try and beat these dogs in the face to keep them off me as they circled around me. There was enough of them to surround me. And they were using the pack tactics. And they were circling, and one would dart at me from behind. Fortunately, the bicycle was long enough. I could whop one on one side and then twist and whop one on the other side. And uh, they never got more than a couple of tooth marks on my shoes. Uh, but I quit riding that road until that beagle died because I couldn't deal with what the attitude the Great Danes would bring once the beagle brought the problem. And that is with people who, you know, would not be particularly interested in having their dogs attack people on the road if for nothing else the insurance company would have dropped them like a hot potato if I'd have called their insurance company. I actually so. did do that on somebody. I actually did that. I, I admit it. I did it. I dropped a dime on him because he had a dog. It was a blue healer. And again, I'm, it's not... Healers hate bicycles. Something about the movement of a bicycle just sets them off. And healers can be very aggressive. It depends on how they're raised. But these dogs were raised to be aggressive. He did not want anybody on his property. Or riding by his property, as it turns out. I came by his house on my bike. And I always, I have protection, okay? I always at least have strong pepper spray in my bike. So I had that. Enough to discourage a dog. Because pepper sprays and dogs, dogs do not like pepper spray. But I'm coming along and I hear screaming ahead of me. That stupid blue healer had come out 
a little girl was riding by on her bicycle. She was probably seven years old, and that dog had come out, and it was attacking her on her bicycle. And that's that's where I drew the line. I'm like, nah. Nah. So I found out um, through nefarious means. It's a small town. (laughs) It's a small town. (laughs) I found out who his insurance agent was. And it was one of the big, uh, what you call them, um, captive agents, I'll call it that. It works for a, it worked for a company. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, State Farm. It was the State Farm agent who was a friend of mine. And I said, Hey, look, you've got a, you've got a, a problem here. You're about to get a ridiculous claim on this guy. Because he just attacked so-and-so's granddaughter. His dog attacked so-and-so's granddaughter. And I had reported this dog two times to the county sheriff. So is this a known problem dog? And you're insuring him. This is a claim that is about to happen. Fortunately, I was able to... (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I lost a bicycle pump over that deal. That's the one I bent the pump over the dog's head. Because I couldn't, that was the only way I could get her off the girl. Fortunately, he didn't have the girl. He had the girl's bicycle. She did the same thing. But, um, so anyway, I called the, I called the guy and I said, look, you got two choices. You can even tell her, you can tell him you're going to do something about it. Or you're going to get the call from your boss telling you to do something about it. Because either way, something's going to happen. And let's just say that dog was no longer a problem. The point of that is... The guy took it out and shot it, basically. Yeah. It got too mean. (laughs) But the point of it is, that's what they'll do. If that's how they... If they don't have the right type of control... This is not that dog's fault. And if they, this if they is lose the, owner's the control fault. that they have had had because the owners decide to bug out and decide they can't take the dog and leave the dog behind, that's the kind of problem you're leaving behind you. It's not going to end well for the dog one way or another, and it might end very badly for other people as well. We used to have a dog dumping problem in the area where we lived. And then... Uh, it got to be such a bad situation that another group of people figured it out. And the people who sold dogs to medical schools started coming out and picking up the dogs. And then people figured out, hey, well, if they're going to do that, why don't I just sell the dog to the medical school? But we don't, I mean, say what you want about it. The dog dumping problem in our area has has stopped, but I know they have a really bad problem with it in the Everglades National Park. There's packs of wild dogs running all over that place, simply because you know people in in Miami they go, oh, we'll take them out to the wild, to wild. So they go into the Everglades Park and dump out the dog. And there's nothing there for the dogs to hunt and live off of. Not nearly enough. And the dogs aren't that good, you know, aren't good enough to hunt big game. So, so what do they do? They go after who's there. People have food. 
we'll get the food from the people. Yeah, so, I, I have a friend who uh, did this just the other day. He was driving along, saw somebody stop and basically dump the dog out and drive away. My friend was following about a quarter mile behind on a country highway. And the dog's just standing there looking like, what? What? I mean, just guy just dumped the dog. So my friend pulls up, pops his door open, dog jumps in. Who are you? <laughs> He's got a dog now. But you, know? you can't rely on that happening. No, you can't. Because the people no. who live out there, you know, we, we would take in one every now and then when we didn't currently have a dog and one of the kids was willing to step up and take care of it. But most of them we couldn't. So you had to shoot them or take them to the pound where they got killed. Now, keep in mind, this is a different were, day. This yeah. is a different day. We're old. Year, 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these stories we're telling you were from 30, 40 years ago. So different day. Once the animal control place opened, we took them there. But before then, well, it was either that or let the dogs starve to death and attack the uh, calves. And you can't feed you can't every every dumped dog. You just can't no, do it. No, there's just too many of them. So it's just getting rid of the dog and setting it free to make its own way. Guys, that is not a workable option. It's cruel to the dog. It's cruel to everybody else. And if it's not a dog, if it's a cat, same basic story. It's more likely to starve to death. But... Same basic story, nevertheless, especially if you had the, had the cat declawed. I mean, how's that going to work? So, basically, bottom line is, you know, what what are we going to do? What are we going to do with Fido? Is Fido going to be able to be fed? Do we have enough food on hand to keep him if we're in a situation where we may be down, down like Puerto Rico? What do you see with Puerto Rico? Where they're, you know, they're just now getting, six, eight months later, they're just getting stuff put back together. You know, do you have six to eight, ten months of dog food in your house? If not, and you're a pet owner, what are you going to do? My suggestion, I have a suggestion of what to do. Keep two, depending on how many dogs you have, justice. I'm talking about for one dog that isn't like a yappy little ankle biter. I'm talking about a good, good decent sized dog, a beagle sized dog. A mid-sized dog, or a big, or bigger, you might want to adjust. But for a beagle-sized dog, I would keep 100 pounds of dog food. And here's exactly how I would do it. I would buy 200 or 100 pounds worth of dry dog food. Get the high-pro stuff, the good stuff. Make sure it's good nutritionally. And then I would put both of those bags, I would empty them into metal trash cans. You can, if you don't want the, the oil and stuff getting on the dog food, I think that's a little ridiculous, but some people don't. You could put a plastic liner in them. It doesn't matter. You put the dog food in the trash can. Put it someplace where it's not going to get too hot because right. the oil will go rancid. Yeah, and keep, the, uh, and keep the sun off of it. And that will keep the bugs out. And you get yourself a scoop. And you... Empty out that trash can one scoop at a time, feeding the dog. But my dog won't eat dry dog food. Well, then don't give him anything else to eat, and he'll get hungry enough, he'll start eating it. I 
guarantee. My folks would not pony up for uh, canned food for dogs. As I said, it was a different day. And for a while there, my dog had a digestive problem, couldn't really eat the dry food well. So, hey, guess what? You get some hot water and soak the dry dog food in hot water, and all of a sudden it's not so hard anymore. And he could and would eat it then. So. And dry dog food also helps keep the teeth sound. Helps keep them clean. Yeah. So, anyway, get a couple of... You feed out one bag. You still have the 50-pound bag in reserve. Yeah. Rotate them. Rotate it. You put the new bag... Go get your new 50-pound bag. You put it in the in the container that you just cleaned out. And you start using the second 50-pound bag. Now, adjust to your comfort level. Go with 150 pounds. Go with 50 pounds. Well, don't go with 50 pounds. You need 100 pounds. Go with 100 pounds or more, depending on the number of dogs you have and the size of the dog. You know, I don't know how... You'll know how long a 50-pound dog bag or dog food bag will last you. So... But remember, this table scraps are probably going to be a thing of the past. You're going to be eating your table scraps if you're in a bad situation. They're not going to be table scraps for dogs. Okay. The other deal is uh, dogs are not necessarily, and some, some pets in general, are hard to keep quiet. And it's hard to hide their sign. Like if they relieve themselves in the yard, anybody who has two brain cells to rub together can walk by a yard and know if a dog relieves itself out there regularly. Because the... Uh, Greenery is patchy. Even if you're picking up the solid waste, the greenery still looks patchy. So it may become obvious that a a dog lives there, especially if the dog cannot be relied upon to be quiet when you want the dog to be quiet. Yeah, you got two options with with these dogs that will not keep quiet. One, hey, you've got a watchdog. That's great. That's super. But what happens if you're trying to not be noticed? What are you going to do with this dog that will not shut up? You got to know what you're willing to do. What you're willing to, are you willing to put your children at risk because this dog will not shut up? Is this a decision? This is a decision you should make now, not then. Have it be part of the plan. If it's going to be the dog or us, am I willing to die for this animal? That answer may be yes. That is your choice, not mine. Nobody else could make that choice for you. But it's a question that you need to consider. Also, you know, if you've got a you've got a watchdog, okay? That's great. That dog starts barking its head off. Cool. What you gonna do about what it's barking its head off over? What's your okay? It's barking its head. It sees. It sees there's somebody out in the yard. Are you ready to deal with that somebody out in the yard? Because somebody out in the yard knows you're there now. Because it knows that dog is barking. It knows somebody's home. What are you gonna do about that person? If you're in a situation where there's no, let's call the police. What are you gonna do now? I'm not going to say what you can. You can do whatever it is you choose to do. That's entirely up to you. What I'm saying is, I want you to think about ahead of time 
what you are going to do. Especially since if times really are that desperate, a lot of the dissuading power of having a dog barking is going to be lost. And additionally, there's two kinds of dog barking. There is, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm just going to, I'm not trying to be a breedist. I'm just throwing this out here. There is angry Rottweiler dog dog barking. And there's yappy little ankle biter dog barking. I am not going to be intimidated by a chihuahua barking at me. And I doubt many people will either. I've been bitten with evil intent by a spaniel. I survived the experience pretty well. Unfortunately, the spaniel did too, but that wasn't our choice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was, yeah, that was a random attack too. Yeah. Dogs just randomly attack her. Most dogs like me, but I have been randomly attacked a few times. It's, multiple times. Yes. And it's usually those yappy little ankle biters that do it. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, long story short, you know, if your dog's a Rottweiler, if it's a big dog, I'm, not just, I'm just using that as an example. You know, just I'm talking about a big breed. If it's a bully, bro- if it's bully breed. If its jaws are big enough to... Get your attention. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe, you know, hey, that's a different deal than, than, um, Paco, the Chihuahua, <laughs> barking. And now, after we just took a brief break to have some supper, we're back to Fido. 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 And the difficulties of bugging out with Fido. You know, each each dog is different, but really traveling with the, with an animal can be a handful. And if you're bugging out, you know, an extra handful to deal with. How far do you think you can walk in a day, and how far can the dog walk in a day? And this who's, was recently brought to my mind, actually last fall. And who's going to carry the food? Yeah. I uh, went hiking with a friend of mine who had a 12-week-old puppy. And it was a medium to large dog, a standard poodle, but still a 12-week-old puppy. And she would do great for a while. And then she was just done and could not be compelled to walk further. And it would have been heartless to try and make her. She just wore out because she's just a puppy. We had planned for this, so I was packing the dog around <laughs> for much of the hike. You were carrying the dog up and down mountains. I was carrying the dog up and down mountains. Because that was nicer than cutting the walk short. And, you know, why the heck not? And you're fitter than Doc is. Oh, I said it. <laughs> I said it. I volunteered to be the dog carrier. You like dogs anyway. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Because you got to grab dog, and dog enjoyed walking around, being carried around. Yeah, and it soon, <laughs> it's, as soon human. as it was time to go back downhill, the dog magically improved and was able to walk again. It's a miracle. Yeah. But if you have a small but she, dog... But to be fair, she was a puppy. Yeah. Or a dog that doesn't get a lot of exercise, big or small, then the dog is not going to be able to work walk for 20 miles a day. You may not be able to either. I don't know. 
but it is something to keep in mind if you intend to bug out with it. If you think you're going to have to carry that dog, having a dedicated carrier for it that the dog can uh, sit in with some comfort and will sit in with some peace is a big deal. To me, a manual bug out is best done with the bicycle. And that also makes it easier for the dog. Because dog can go in a trailer. You know, they make dog trailers. And you put the dog in the trailer with your other supplies. Oh, they love that. Yeah. See dogs uh, being carried that way recreationally, they're always having a good time. Yeah, what's not to love? You get your person there, you get to sniff. New places? Dogs love to sniff. So, yeah, there's that. Um, but it's something you have to plan for. And dog dog hard, carriers don't just magically appear. It's harder to portage a bike with a carrier than a bike without a carrier. It's one of the strengths of bikes. I've been cycling along roads, and you come to a place where the bridge is out, but the stream is fordable. Well, you can set the bicycle on your shoulder and forward the stream. Uh, here's another thing. When you're taking a trip with a dog... And it's you and the dog. Somebody's got to carry that dog food. And we're really big on limiting the weight. So do you have a way for the dog to carry its own weight? Can it carry its own food? Well, I know they make those dog food carriers. I know they make them. So do you have one? <laughs> do you have a way to control the dog? Do you have a, do you have a good... Um, Flea and tick collar ready to go. How about that? Thank you. And we're going to have a, a bug out situation. We're going to end up bugging out with this dog. What are you going to do about things like worms? Because if dog's drinking out of every puddle in sight, it's going to get worms. How are you going to deal with the worms? You're not going to take it to a vet because they're not going to be vets available. What are you going to do? This is something you have to plan. Do you have basic veterinary supplies for Fido? Or can you take care of Fido veterinary-wise? What happens if Fido bugs out with you and, it's, and his paws get tore up? I know people who buy little booties for their dogs so they can uh, hike with their dogs on ice and snow. And also, what happens when you're if you're if the dog is needing to run around and it's blazing hot so much that the concrete will burn the dog's feet? This happens. This is a real thing. So you got to think, got to think of that too. Cats. Cats they're easier to carry. <laughs> yeah, they're easier to carry, but you're going to be carrying them. You're going to carry them if you have a way to even contain where they are. If you have just an inside cat, it's not going to do well on a bug out. It's just not. So, you need to plan for that. If you have other animals, like a bunny rabbit, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I have one thing to tell you. Don't pretend you're doing it a kindness if you just turn it loose to run wild. Yeah, we actually had, uh, and it lived there for a summer, we had a domesticated rabbit that had either gotten loose or turned loose living in our yard. 
But he didn't survive the winter. Nope. And we didn't have don't have a bunch of uh, wild dogs running around town either, or feral dogs running around town. Right. I thought about capturing it, but what would I do with it? You know, I'd end up with a bunny rabbit. I don't want. I guess we could have put it in a stew, but that seems a little harsh. You know. <laughs> didn't really want to eat it. I just fenced it out of the garden and. Kept an eye on it, but it disappeared in the fall. And it but it, did, it looked weird because it was one of the multi-spotted rabbits you're used to seeing the the regular everyday gray rabbits. You see this thing out there, and you're like, "You shouldn't be there." <laughs> um, you know, guinea pigs, stuff like that. Now, if you were to take and put some rodents, like you're raising gerbils or hamsters, put them out, you realize what you're doing because they have no chance of survival. But you are feeding the local wildlife. Because they'll be, they'll be lunch. And that's, you know, I can see that. But or you don't, just don't think you're, you if know. If they're not, they could be an invasive, a new invasive species. That's, that's what right. I, that's how we got pythons in the Everglades. But Actually, were, a lot of the uh, pythons and uh, lizards that are invasive in the Everglades were released by Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. Hit an exotic animal. Uh, shipment place. Well, this is a true story. We were driving... I think I've told this on the podcast before, but we were driving through North Missouri. And we came across a vehicle. This is before cell phones were a thing. We came across a vehicle that had actually overturned by the side of the road. And we got out there, and, of course, we stopped and saw, made sure the driver was okay. And the driver was okay. He'd been wearing a seatbelt. But a deer had jumped out in front of him. And so... We're like, okay, well, let's just go make sure the deer is is dead because you don't want the animal suffering. So Spice went off to find the animal, and she came back with this very confused look on her face. I, I was puzzled. I, I, that was before I was clever enough to carry a flashlight. So I saw the pale shape. Paler than usual, but okay, we have albinos from time to time in any colored animal species. So I went to check out the deer. And dark night, moon was not out, no light. I could tell by feel where I was on the critter. I move up to uh, the neck to check the carotid artery, see if there's still a pulse up there. And I feel the horn, not the antler, the horn, the straight spiral horn. Like, this is a gazelle. (laughs) It's a... This what is a, is a gazelle doing in northern Missouri? So she comes back with that confused look. She's like, it's a gazelle. And I'm like, it's a deer. And she's like, it is a gazelle. I know what a gazelle looks like. Or feels like in this case. So I went back to the car. I got out the flashlight. We did have one in the car. We just hadn't grabbed it. Got yeah, out, he had it. Went no, back no, over there. And lo and behold, in north Missouri... Laying by the side of the road as roadkill was a Thompson's gazelle, which has no chance of living through the winter in North Missouri. None. They're native to Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. You know, the area like Kenya and places like that. Dry but not. Hot. Yeah. Well, uh, hot, hot, not hot, but not. No it never, he never snows there except for on the top of Kilimanjaro kind of place. It doesn't get below 50, let alone, you know. 
So you never know when you're going to find an animal that doesn't belong. The story behind that one is they had had some Thompson's gazelles escape from a local exotic uh, animal dealer. Which kind of takes the fun out of it, but... (laughs) We're staying there looking at it. Motorist hits Thompson's gazelle. Anyway, so you never know. Creating a new exotic animal problem is is not a good solution. No. So step up and take care of it one way or take care of it another way, but take care of it. If it's your pet, it's your responsibility. That's right. And plan ahead. And I, I don't know how many times I've heard people saying, well, if I if I have to choose between my pet dying or both of us dying, I mean, come on now. It's a dog. I understand you love your dog, but it's a dog. You're not going to choose your dog over your children. And if you do, then there is something wrong with you. Plain and simple. Very good. Very good. And I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't read the book. But a very good um, study of this is done in the book one second after. Very good uh, way of lining out exactly this situation. But I'm not going to spoil the book for you, so I don't want you to go there. And because that, that trailer is further done than it was. Good. It's a bike trailer riding past up between Pella and Des Moines. Beautiful day. Beautiful day in Iowa. The main thing about it is that you think through what your particular situation is, what your particular pet is what kinds of sacrifices you are and are not willing to make and that you be ready to do the right thing in in line with your beliefs and what you're willing to do. Now, we're not going to say what what we think you should do because it's your pet. It's your life. We don't know. But I know one thing. The time to think about this stuff is now, is ahead of time. Don't wait. Get your plans together while you still have time. Okay. And if you are bugging out, you might think about how you can handle uh, feral dog problems, too, because that might be a thing. That might be a thing. That really might. The good news is, if it's truly a feral dog pack, there's a really good answer for what to do about them. There's a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Just have My to be ready about for about 9 millimeters. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. 9 millimeters or 12 gauges. So, anyway... We're going to let you go and uh, arf.